Hello, my name is Jay Metha, and you're listening to The Voice Podcast. Sometimes a story is best spoken. As an avid theater nerd, I never really doubted that mode of thought, but I had never really applied it until this year to poetry. Now, if the phrase avid theater nerd didn't scare you away, I don't know what will, but if you are inclined to turn this podcast off right now because I'm about to talk about poetry, I encourage you to keep listening. Because I too was skeptical, I also had little to no clue what I was getting myself into. That is, until a very fateful day, when two very famous spoken word poets, a term I was not familiar with, named Sarah Kay and Robbie Q. Telfer graced our school with their presence. I attended that performance and was so hooked, yes hooked on their art, that I showed up the next night to attend a fundraiser for the child protection center that they were doing across the street. In that performance, three Pembroke Hill students also performed spoken word poetry they had created. The whole art form enraptured me so much that after the dust had settled, that dust of raw, uncomfortable, ecstatic, free, vulnerable feelings dug fresh from deep and suppressed places. After that dust had settled, I absolutely knew that I wanted to talk about it on this podcast. So I sat down with Aaron Lowe, Hannah Butshaw, Emlyn Brown, Jana Withrow, and Mrs. Abernathy to talk with them about this enigmatic art form known as spoken word. So let's begin here. What is spoken word poetry? That is a large question. Spoken word, spoken word. Spoken word. Spoken word is not like page poetry. There is a performing aspect of it that I think really brings it to life. Basically a oral form of poetry. That's how I like to think of it at least. When you're writing it, you don't have to worry about line breaks and jamming what is happening on the page physically. Along with generally what you're saying, you have also uh, choreography. Embodies a little bit of everything, at least to me. So it's really sound driven primarily. Uh, Is best viewed. It just leaves a little more room for the artist to free up where their mind is putting their attention, I think. You really shouldn't just be reading it. It's spoken. It's pretty simple, but it can be so many things. And she's completely right. After doing more research, after listening to more Sarah Kay and Robbie Q. Telfer and Phil Kay and other poets who are part of the collective that they are working with called Project Voice, uh, after listening to more of Hannah and Aaron and Jana and Emlyn's poetry, I have learned that spoken word can deal with really emotional things or really ordinary things. And while there is a lot of variety in each of these individual stories and how they approach spoken word, there is one common thread. And that is that they were all in Mrs. Abernathy's senior year creative writing class. And so for senior year, you have to, you get to choose um, your your English class. Uh, You get one of four choices. And so one of these choices was creative writing. And creative writing was my last choice. Um, I, it just didn't really, 
it didn't really appeal to me. And so when I learned that I was in it, I, you know, I, th I thought about switching out, but then I realized I have a, you know, I have a pretty good relationship with fate. Um, let's take it, let's see what comes of it. And so we were given the option to become poetry focus or spoken word focus or theater focused, um, there was another screenwriting focus or short story focus. And so I chose spoken word because I thought, well, you know, I've, I've been interested in, in acting just a little bit and it's, it's kind of similar and it's not really something I've done before. Um, so let's, let's try it. Aaron's story with spoken word, however, actually predated senior year. Over the course of the past few years, I've been able to witness all sorts of performers from all over the world performing spoken word. And it always seemed like this otherworldly concept in a way. It was this amazing thing, but I never really thought it was something that I could do. And I'd always, I've always loved writing, and I've always loved performing, and I've written poetry for a while, but spoken word just seemed a different genre and so I think through writers club and through the creative writing class here I really had the opportunity to explore and just write all the time and it, it went from being a hobby for me to being an integral aspect of who I am it's it's my catharsis it's how I it's more than just what I do it's the way in which I visualize the world and the way in which I experience my world and that brings me to the next big question I asked them, and that is, why is spoken word important? So, like, with poetry, you can have this really complex inner tie of, like, imagery and metaphor and simile that's really subverted within the work. But I think with spoken word, it's, like, all there in front of you. It's what you can pick up as you're listening to it. And nothing really more, nothing really less. So I think that makes it powerful in how straightforward it can be and also in the way that it's presented. And I also asked them why it spoke to them personally. Before I encountered spoken word, I was an I was an actor. I was an actress in shows, and I was um, a writer on the page. So it kind of uh, melded my two loves together. To Emlyn, on the other hand, it was less about melding loves and more about the way that he learns. Frankly, I learn I learn better when I'm I'm seeing something um, and hearing it uh, instead of instead of just reading it. Uh, and you can get many more powerful points across uh, with emotion in your face and and hand gestures than you can with just uh, you know flipping to page sixty three, read stanzas one and two, etc. And Emlyn brings up a really interesting question, and that is is spoken word for everyone? And what does it offer the average high school student that written poetry doesn't? All forms of poetry are important to me. What I like about this one is that it is less intimidating for more, most people because of the oral nature versus the page is somehow more intimidating, I think, when you tell someone they're going to write a poem versus think about telling a story and delivering it verbally, which is a lot more how I think most people approach spoken word. And that may be true, but there is still a large swath of people who just won't 
try it for whatever reason. I know I was one of those people just a couple months ago, and a lot of people listening to this podcast right now probably are as well. So I asked Mrs. Abernathy what she would say to people like that. Sure. I would just say that poetry is a real and viable thing, and that spoken word is kind of the place for the rock stars of poetry to hang out. And by that, I mean the people that don't mind the attention, that want the attention, that like the stage, and that are dramatic by nature. Um, But I think you can also have really reticent people who are not outspoken in their daily lives be incredibly powerful spoken word artists. So I don't want people to think that it's only for the bold. It is definitely for the intrepid, um, but it is not only for, for extroverts, I would say that. And then also spend some time on YouTube looking at videos of spoken word poets because they will blow your mind. This discussion of discovering spoken word, of discovering new talents that one might have, of going outside of one's comfort zone. I mentioned earlier that these individuals all performed at the CPC in front of a very large group of people. I was one of the people. Um, and the the thing is that Sometimes when you hear this, and I've listened to these these interviews a couple of times now, you can get into this idea that they're all really inexperienced, and they talk about themselves in in a sense that you know I don't really know what I'm doing, or 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 you know it was I tried it out and it was interesting, and you know I'm really going to like it. But you forget that these guys have performed this stuff, and um, and I wanted to ask Emlyn um, what it was like as somebody who doesn't do a lot of performing to go up in front of a large room of people and be exceptionally raw and vulnerable. After, after going, so I've, I've only really performed that piece twice. Uh, I performed it once in front of my classmates uh, during, um, you know, during school and uh, just kind of the, the look of shock on their faces um, showed that wow, what we did was a pretty powerful piece. And then uh, Miss Abernathy warned us that, you know, okay, you go to these poetry events and, you know, as people are reading it, you'll hear some people in the audience, they might react, you know, ooh, or just like <laughs> various, <laughs> insert automatopoeia here. And, and sure enough, our piece, our piece did um, have that. There was a room full of like, what, 200 people, would you say? You were there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and people were, they were reacting to it in ways that I didn't see them reacting even to, to the legends. Um, so I, I, I knew at that point, you know, don't, okay, don't react to it, stay in character, et cetera. Um, but it, it really surprised me that, uh, you know, I've only been doing this for a semester and already I feel, I feel like, I'm, like I've done something really important. I asked Emlyn which line in the poem they presented elicited the most visceral reaction from the audience, and when he remembered it, I did too. Yes. Uh, so the line, the line is uh, so it's it's referring to uh, the night uh, the night that this character that we've created gets uh, gets raped, and so oh goodness, what is it? Um, Broken glass fingertips, unzipping skin, and I'm I'm at the same time I'm I'm using my arms. Uh, you know, my, my left arm is kind of in a claw, uh, and my right arm is is extended, uh, and I'm pulling back like you would, you know, if you like an arrow. 
Yeah, yeah, kind of like an arrow. Um, and I, I remember that that got quite a few reactions. And, and while I'm doing it, I feel like there is, you know, a bunch of negative energy stored in my left hand as I'm ripping open skin with my broken glass fingertips. However, another poem I heard that day was performed by Aaron Lowe. And I could try to explain her connection with the poem, to introduce it in some way, but I think that would be doing a, a disservice. So I'm going to let Aaron do the talking. So this piece, I, well, hmm, words. So I, this piece has been a story that's been in my head for a long time. And it's something that I've tried to write about before. And it just never felt right to me. I think the end of my sophomore year, I started writing uh, one of my first spoken word pieces about this. And it just didn't, it wasn't what I wanted it to be. It didn't tell the full story. And of course, you can never tell the full story with one piece. But you can try and you can get closer each time. And so I think that that's sort of what this turned into. So after I had written this initial piece, I sort of forgot about it for a while. Well, I didn't forget about it. I had written this initial piece and I put it in the back of my head because it was a story I wanted to tell, but I didn't think I was ready to tell it. And then, you know, two years later, we come into this creative writing class and we're supposed to write about trauma. It, that was our prompt that Ms. Abernathy gave us because our, the fundraiser was for the Child Protection Center. And so we were supposed to write about pretty intense subject matter and things about which we were really passionate. And so I knew that this was a story I'd been trying to tell for a long time, but I, didn't, I still didn't know how to approach it. And so I had kind of put off doing this assignment all summer because I knew I would have to do it. And I just wrote other things and sort of fluff pieces in a way. And then the school year started and I had just had a very emotional couple of weeks and all of this was going on in my head and I remember I went over to one of my friends houses and just sort of told them my life story and everything that was going on uh, with me and when I got home that night it was all very fresh and I just sat down and started writing and I don't really remember what happened because I was just writing and I was in it and then maybe 20 or 30 minutes later I had written this piece and I didn't know what to think about it because it was a lot and it was definitely emotional, but I decided not to look at it for a couple of days. And then I went back and I added, you know, a stanza or two as they struck me. But this piece really was one of the few that I haven't edited a whole lot. A lot of my other pieces have gone through revision after revision, but this one, it was sort of that moment where it just flows through you and I can't really explain it and I don't know how I can make it happen again, but I, it's a piece that I'm really passionate about and I'm really excited to share it. And here it is. This piece is called Salt Shaker. I walk in the room and turn on the light eight times. Until eight turns to 12 and 12 to nine five, my teeth hurt. They've been crunching together all day. I'm not supposed to chew on myself, on my skin checkered in red fingernail marks covered in crescent moons. My body is a mood ring. When what I feel is what you see, you assume. But the physical manifestations are not everything. You see, obsessive compulsive disorder is not polite. It doesn't knock on the door first, it knocks it down, so I build my own walls to keep it out, but somehow it was already inside. 
Like in the horror movie when the phone rings and it's too late to lock the doors because they've already been compromised, but don't you worry. I'll still lock them 159 times. Why take chances when you can take the time to draw circles on parentheses so your mother won't die? You may not see the correlation, but in my mind, I see demons and fires and shadows and knives, but these thoughts, they aren't mine. It's as though something else has taken refuge inside. I don't want these things. I don't ask them to stay, and when they don't leave, I turn lights on to keep them at bay. I used to say I was afraid of everything. Then one day, you joked. Are you afraid of this salt shaker? I wasn't, but I had already thought of 14 ways it could kill me. It was then that I realized I wasn't afraid of everything. I was just afraid all the time. But you see, it's not because I'm weak. Every day of each week, I spend fighting this war in my mind. My subconscious and conscious parts never seem to agree on this Treaty of Versailles, yet I continue to draft sheet after sheet, plead on repeat until the pages are thrown in the fire. Yet you say that I'm hurting you, that I'm mentally unstable, crazy, insane, but counting and tapping and touching and snapping can momentarily stop the pain, so I'm sorry. If my pain offends you, I have tried to turn it off, but after years of washing and scrubbing and dragging and circling, it can still take hours for me to stop. They tell you to bite your tongue between your teeth like a pill until your mouth can bleed. Not to worry. Mouth wounds heal faster than others. It's something about the saliva and when they ask you to swallow your pain, you can try. The thing about pain is it won't go down easy. It knows how to dig in its boots and claw its way with the truth back up your throat. So here you are, lips pried open, your hands at your throat to create suction that has the opposite effect. So you stand here silently screaming like chewed plants do or the squirrel you hit in the road. Smashed with no sound, not a tear on the ground, but you, we're told to keep driving. I urge you to see past my smile, and if you don't, I pine. And if you do, I'll just tell you, don't worry, I'm just fine. But when you see my hands bleeding, head spinning, arms red, I have tattooed myself with a moment so the voices will rest in my head. Big thank you to Aaron Lowe, Hannah Butshaw, Jana Withrow, Emlyn Brown, and Mrs. Abernathy for sitting down to talk with me. Thank you to Spencer Thutt for providing the music for this podcast. Thank you to Sarah Kay and Robbie Q. Telfer for bringing this whole new universe into my life. And of course, thank you for listening. <laughs>